0: The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, March 28 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life She can rest so easily She does everything you do because
1: the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my co producer, engineer, webmaster, and loving partner, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Well, happy Women's History Month. And to end this historical month, I have a special guest joining me on the phone will be Dr. Diana Grayer, Ph.D., playwright, director, producer, and creator of some of the most insightful books for children on racism and self-esteem. We will be talking about racism and her latest play, Release Unearthing the Silent Rumblings, which will be happening at Congregation Nur Shalom. Uh, that's the old Katadi Cabaret at 85 La Plaza in Katadi in April. I'm really excited about uh, interviewing her on the flyer for the play, she states, this black production consists of four short plays sure to stir the hearts and minds of the audience. It is an invitation to talk about race in a safe place. Included will be a facilitated conversation and discussion after the show. Well, of course, this is the last Monday of the month, and we'll be doing the Women's Spaces Pledge. And as you know, last week we had a rerun. Uh, Ken and I had to take off. We were we got COVID. I could not believe it. We went away with our family. We were gone for almost five days. All of us came down with it. It was very, very mild. I did have my 82nd birthday, and I want to thank all the people out there on Facebook who wish me a happy birthday and send me some of those most delightful, wonderful cards that I I could imagine in all kinds of sayings. I really appreciate it. This was one of the best birthdays I've had in a long time. And one of the things about it being 82 is you really begin to understand life is one day at a time, sometimes one minute at a time. And there is so much to appreciate. Just being alive and just being able to watch your great granddaughter blow out candles with you was one of the most exciting moments that I had. Let me tell you. Well, you know, the whole month of March has been National Women's History Month, and I want to give you a little bit of history. Uh, You know, it started here in Sonoma County, and I'm really happy to report this, that in 1980, my God, that's a long time ago, 1980, here we are in 2022, the National Women's History Project NWHP was founded in Santa Rosa, California by Molly Murphy McGregor who's the executive director and also the board of directors uh, president. Uh, Mary Ruth Stoddard who recently made her transmission a wonderful, wonderful woman. Maria Cuevas who's a great musician, she's still around Paula Hammett and Betty Morgan to broadcast women's historical achievements. The NWHP started by leading a coalition that's Successfully lobbied Congress to designate March as National Women's History Month, now celebrated across the land. Today, the NWHP, now known as the National Women's History Alliance, is known nationally as the only clearinghouse providing information and training in multicultural women's history for educators, community organization, and parents, and anyone wanting to expand their understanding of women's contribution to United States. History. You know, it seems like such a long time ago, but I remember in 1974 when Molly McGregor and I were going to Sonoma State together and we were walking to a class talking about women in art. And I remember saying to Molly, Are there women artists? I mean, it was like foreign to me. And here we are, 2022, celebrating it as an alliance and it's known the world over and congratulations to Molly. You know, she keeps it going. And as you know, the first Monday of the month, we did interview Molly Murphy McGregor, and she did talk about the National Women's History Alliance. And you can go ahead and listen to that show if you hadn't caught it on www.womenspaces.com, where all our shows are archived. Well, As we do every Monday, we talk about our history is our strength. And I think this is really interesting. You know, here it is, March 28th, and I'm going to talk about something that happened March 31st, 1888. The National Council of Women of the United States is organized by Susan B. Anthony, Clara Burton, Julia Ward Howe, and Sorgena Truth among others, the oldest non secretarian women's organization in the United States. Can you just imagine this? Susan B. Anthony, Clara Burton, Julia Ward Howe, and Sojourner Truth getting together and developing the National Council of Women of the United States of America. And this was in 1888. Amazing, and then another another historic thing that happened on March 31st. This was 1776, almost a hundred years prior to when they started the National Council of Women of the United States. Abigail Adams writes to her husband John, who is helping to frame the Declaration of Independence, and cautions, "Remember the ladies." remember the ladies and here we are let's see 1776 almost 200 maybe 250 years later we still don't have an equal rights amendment it's amazing isn't it it really really is well there's a lot there's a lot going on and there was let's see did I have anything else now no now we're going to do the women's spaces pledge you know I I try to do this every month but wait before we do the pledge I want to I want to uh honor one person that Effie Manley she was the co-owner and manager with her husband Abe of the Negro League baseball team the Brooklyn Eagles in 1935 to 1946 she supported integration with the NAACP worked hard to get Negro League players included in the baseball hall of fame that She was born March 27, 1897, and made her transition in 1981. A little bit of trivia. My brother is a real baseball fan, and I hope, <laughs> I hope he hears this. Anyway, uh, we're going to do the pledge now. Uh, Ken, can you join me? You know, every sure, month,
0: I'd like
1: to. every month we do the pledge at the end of the month, the last Monday of the month, and it's so interesting to think that I wrote this for my grandson. And sometimes we think of it as being hokey. But when you really start getting into it and you understand, especially what we're going to be talking about with Dr. Grayer, we're going to talk about self-esteem and being able to stand up to power and to talk to power and to be able to express yourself. Express your fears and your feelings about, say, racism or just being a woman. It's so important to have strong self-esteem. So just listen to the words. You know, first what I'm going to do, Ken, first is I'll just say it, and then you repeat after me, and then we'll do it together. Is that okay? Got it. And thank you so much for doing it with me, Ken. It's wonderful having Ken here in the studio with me. Thank you so much for doing this. Anyway, here we go, the Women's Basis Pledge. We're going to do the one, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three my self esteem
2: my self esteem does
1: not depend does
2: not depend on anything on anything
1: outside of me outside of me my self esteem my self esteem my self esteem depends depends on my relationship on my relationship with myself with myself and my higher power and my higher power doesn't that give you goosebumps? I mean, I just love it. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. And sometimes I throw with myself and the creator, myself and the great mystery, myself and God, whatever you want to put in that area. So I'm going to say it one more time. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. And now I'm going to ask General, Ken, oh boy, I'll tell you, you know, just being out for a week really, really has its toll, folks. So let's go ahead. Let's say this together, Ken one two three my, my self-esteem esteem does not depend, depend on anything outside of me, me. My, my self-esteem esteem depends on my relationship my myself and my higher power. power oh thank you so much that that is such a wonderful just think about it and, and you know if folks want to really say it every day if you just go on women's spaces www.womenspaces we have it on on the website well that's a lot to think about, let me tell you something. And I want to do a special shout out right now for my dear friend, Leslie Graves. You know, Leslie's been on a little bit of a sabbatical. She's been, she's been fighting cancer. And I'll tell you something, I, I, I can't believe her post every every other day. She has inspired me. I mean, she has such a beautiful, positive attitude, and she did so much work. You know, in 2020, we were celebrating 100 years since women received the vote, and Leslie was very, very instrumental in spearheading many, many of the wonderful, wonderful events that we had planned, and unfortunately, here comes the pandemic, and everything just seemed to stop, although we were able to do a few Zooms and some, uh, you know, some other special things, but finally the the rules and regulations and the mass requirements and all that are kind of loosened up a little bit so it looks like the sonoma county historical society was able to grant to leslie uh, leslie graves the genie thurlow miller award uh, Jeannie thurlow miller uh, was a activist in our community and Leslie Graves was honored for the work she has done on behalf of the Sonoma County 2020 Women's Suffrage Project. And I'll tell you, we have had events... And uh, Leslie has not been available, and I'll tell you something, there's never been an event put on like Leslie put on. I mean, not only was always timely and always perfection, but just her personality and the love and the passion that she put in anything she does. So congratulations, Leslie Graves, and we wish you a speedy, speedy recovery in hopes that soon you'll be out here at the plaza again putting on some of these wonderful events. P.S., my love, I definitely miss you. It's really, it's really, it's hard for me sometimes when I think of not seeing Leslie around. Anyway, we're going to take a, mu- a musical break, and I'm going to be playing one of my favorite songs. It's called The Greatest Love of All. And I remember when U- Whitney Houston first brought it on, it was just so inspiring to me. It was Especially, it fits in with the theme of women's spaces. We believe the children are our future. And we must never lose sight of that. But I did find a wonderful, wonderful recording by a woman by the name of Kennedy Holmes that I just love. I just love the way she does it. And this is one of the best songs singing about self discovery. And we will be getting into that when we do our interview with uh, Dr. Diana Gregory. And that's what's going to happen after the musical break. Uh, Joining me on the telephone will be Dr. Diana Grayer, Ph.D., playwright, director, producer, and creator of some of the most insightful books for children on racism and self-esteem. Stay tuned. I know this is going to be a great conversation. And now we're going to play The Greatest Love of All by Kennedy Holmes.
3: I believe the children are our future Teach them well and let them lead the way Show them all the beauty they possess inside Give them a sense of pride I mm-hmm. you've been dreaming of
1: I believe the children are the future. That's the whole theme of Women's Spaces. Well, for you just joining, uh, listening in, I want to remind my listeners that the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, the board of its directors, its members, or Women's Spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me on the phone is Dr. Diana Grayer, Ph.D., Welcome, Diana. Welcome
2: to Women's Spaces at last. Yes, I'm so excited. Thank you, Elaine. Oh, how wonderful to be with you again. It's been a long time.
1: I know, and it's really, really, really exciting. Well, before we start, uh, Diana, I just want to tell my listeners just a little bit about you. Is that okay? Yes, go right
2: ahead.
1: Diana L. Grayer is a marriage and family counselor specializing in childhood, uh, maternal wounding, relationship issues, and grief. Wow. She has been in private practice since 1997. In 1979, she earned her bachelor's degree from San Francisco State University. By the way, that's where I got my, my master's degree. In 1993, she earned her master's degree in counseling from Sonoma State University. And in 2010, congratulations, earned her PhD in psychology from Median University, where she is now a faculty member. Diana is experienced in working with children, adults, couples, and family. She is a published author and recently wrote, uh, and, and what I saw the first time, her first play that I saw was Private Lives, Private Lies, and I just loved, I mean, I, it was so insightful for me, and it happened uh, at the Grayton Community Center uh, uh, several years ago. Well, welcome. I'm Diane, and welcome to Women's Spaces. And I know that we're going to be talking about the, the, the new play that you're working on, and we'll get to that later. Let me just see if I get this. Uh, let me get the, the announcement here. here. Oh, I can't. What, 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 give us a little background
2: on the play, its name. Uh, the play that's coming up is, uh, is our first black production under our new theater company, and so it's under, it, the title is Release, Unearthing the Silent Rumbling.
1: Wow. I mean, releasing the Silent Rumbling is is really interesting. Well, listen, Diana, when we start, the first thing i like to do is, you know, here you are, a marriage and family counselor and also here you earned a doctor's degree, which is just amazing. It's just amazing to me. So, talk about what challenges did you face and and what was your inspiration to talk about this and focus on your beginning? I mean, what made you decide to go into this field?
2: Wow. That's uh, that's a journey way back. <laughs> well, I started really when I was working at the group home, um, working with the kids, and they were really difficult, hard, you know, uh, residential treatment facility. And I realized instead of wanting to have to restrain the kids, I just felt like my talents were I could do more with the kids to empower them and to help them, so that, that experience made me, motivated me to go back to school to get my master's. I feel like I needed to do more. And so I went to Sonoma State to get my master's, and that was a great program and great for me at the time. And then I earned my hours. Um, but I felt like when I was a child, Elaine, that I saw in my family you know, it was dysfunctional. They didn't know how to communicate. I didn't feel like I got the nurturance that I needed. Like something wasn't fitting right in my young eyes. And even at that point, I felt like something I needed to do something, something needed to change. And so as I grew up, um, playing with the kids on the playground, I noticed like what we call them in the back in the day, the underdogs. You know, the kids who are always chosen last, right? Oh, so I i, I, under, that I understand
1: strength. that one. <laughs>
2: I had a strength in me, you know. And so when I got on the playground, I would choose those people. i said, you guys take whoever you want to the leaders on the playground court. And i will say, i take all the other guys. And I, Elaine, and you know about self-esteem, I just kind of, at a young age, I was saying, come on, you guys, we can do this. We can do this. Just believe in yourself. I was like cheerleading. And every single time the people who were chosen last, they improved when they were with me. Of course. I know. And we start winning. It's a a mindset. Of course. Of course. I knew that I was on the right path, you know, that I needed to be where I was going to help people, to empower people.
1: You you know? know, It reminds me of when I went to Los Angeles City College. The last class that I had to take was public speaking. You know, and people don't believe this about me. When I I thought I was going to die before I had to get up in front of a class. And I remember the teacher the the teacher coming up to me and saying, "What is wrong? Don't you believe in yourself?" And all of a sudden, I realized, "Don't I believe in myself?" Of course not. I was a woman. I was told I was a dumb blonde. I I needed to, to get a good husband. And now I was in school with as a single parent. You know, so and all of a sudden, I had to redo all that thinking. Well, you know, it's amazing that you you had that that calling at such a young age, you know, to, to look at the just the people who were put down and, and all of a sudden you bring them up. It's amazing. Was that some of the inspiration? Because I'll tell you something. One of the things that I found as I found your your children's book was amazing. And, you know, there's a book that I, I found a, a flyer on, Let Kia Help You Talk About Race. And people say they don't know how to talk about race because they don't want to say anything offensive or insensitive. You know, and here you have a whole book of a young woman explaining to people how they can talk about race. Tell us, when did you first start thinking about writing books? For children, and why is that important? And, and where is it taking you? I know that you you do a lot of work in schools. If you could talk about
2: that, yeah, yeah. I I started writing during Sonoma State, really uh, doing my therapy. You know, as a as a as a marriage family therapist, as you know, my masters in counseling. Okay, I'm going to become a therapist. I may as well be. I mean, I need to know how it feels to be a client. So I said, you know, I didn't need anything. I was all perfect, right? <laughs> but I think, well, I'm going to go and have some therapy just so I can see how it feels. <laughs> but in that process, Elaine, it was beautiful because it opened me up to share my heart and to express myself. So I'm a believer, even with my own experience, how it can open you up. And so I started journaling. I started journaling pages after pages after sessions. And things just start bubbling up and start all my feelings from childhood. And just everything just start coming onto the pages. And in that process, I started writing poems. And then I started creating image, images that came up for me. So poetry led into children's books because it was a way to teach. Okay, and before that, working with clients. I was working with one, maybe a single individual or a child or a couple, no more than, like, four or five people in my office. And I felt like I had enough wisdom that I could share to a bigger audience. I wanted to reach a bigger audience to give the messages. Because I've been hearing stories from my clients, stories from my friends and family members, and people just don't know how to, like, navigate their lives. And so I felt that writing my children's book, I can be teacher. I can teach them things. The same thing with my place. That's how it all started. Well,
1: it's interesting because what, you, when I, what I wrote, it says blacks and other people of color. Uh, let Kena get the conversation going. She will help mm-hmm. empower students who use their voices when they feel strongly about an injustice, and she can help teachers and other adults cultivate compassion, empathy, sensitivity, and understanding towards blacks and people of color. I mean, it's just amazing amazing just just reading this is is empowering to me exactly
2: i i I took these so yeah, so this book kena um uh Kena's first speech, Our Blackness will never fade, I needed to do something after George floyd's murder on the news over and over again um uh, Producing one of my plays in St. Helena, where the population is pretty white, who showed up ninety nine point five percent, you know, were white in the audience. Um, so after this one production of uh, one of my short plays, the people there wanted to talk about race. They they had you know they they were that like you know how you are when you go to the theater after the show. Everybody is like. Okay, we got to go home. We got to take care of business. We got to do this and that. The people, after my short play, they sat there and they wanted to listen to the talk back. My two black men, two black actors, and myself were in front talking to the audience and they didn't move. They were so uh, mesmerized by the conversation that they wanted more, wanted more. So that's how, um, um, so that's the reason for my new play. But well, well, to go back me- to the books, is I've been going to the schools for Black History Month. I've gone to like three or four elementary schools because there's a lot of racial dis unrest amongst elementary school children, Elaine. It's really sad out there. Well, you know the, the, the thing that that
1: struck me when you said that everybody wanted to stay and talk about it you know yeah. i I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think most people inside are decent, they want to be loving they want to be they want equality, they want to accept each other and other people mm-hmm. and I think that 's a demonstration of it, but then there 's that fear. You know, that's what's so beautiful, that you're, you actually hit the nail on the head. You said most people don't know how to talk about it. Most people are afraid they're going to hurt somebody's feeling. And so, therefore, they kind of close down instead of open up. So that that's what I think is so important about the work that you do, that you have a way of, in a non-threatening way, of allowing people to just open up and express themselves. Would you, would you agree with that?
2: Yes. Yeah. Elaine, and and I have this talked a lot with um, some black, you know, colleagues and people that we talk about this stuff, and I hear talk about it, and I'm from the school of education. I'm from the school, if you don't know something, I'm going to try and tell you the best way I can to help you or direct you, and some black people say they don't want to be the teachers, and I understand that. Everybody has a different opinion, but I'm going to try and do what I can do to tell you how I want you to treat me. Cause I'm going to tell you that I don't like the way you're treating me and I'm not going to be quiet about it. And I know a lot of clients and I know a lot of people in the community, a lot of people in general around the world and in America that they don't speak up. They don't say what they need to say. You know, the internalized racism thing. They, and, and I have, um, young people I'm working with that I know, um, they are, are, are um, what do you call it, shut down in school. Instead of it being empowered, their voices are muted because of racial inequality and the microaggressions. Don't make a big deal out of it. They didn't mean it. Instead of educating the class or educating people, Black people are being shut down, and it's not right, and I'm going to educate you if I can.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I just, myself, here I am, an 82-year-old woman, and I just had an experience where I had to talk, about, I had to really make a complaint and talk out, and I cannot believe the struggle I went through. You know, what are they going to think about me? You know, is this the right thing? What? Are they, and suddenly I just stood up and said, wait a minute this is how I feel, this is how I was treated, this is not right, and I'm going to say something, but I recognize and I think people need to recognize that the struggle, that's why we did the pledge just before you came on my self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me, it depends on your own self, your own vision of yourself, which is very important, so let's end on that thought Diana, I'm going to take a musical break and then when we come back, if that's okay I want to really get into the new play that you have written, I mean it's to me, it is—it's so fascinating. The, the more the more I think about it, the more the more fascinating it comes. Are we going to be able to play that? Uh? There's
0: some other. Oh, we. Thing coming through on that.
1: We're not going to be able to play the song, so <laughs> we're just going to oh. continue. I was going to play the song. Uh, you know, how can anybody tell you that you're anything less than beautiful? Which it was by. Oh. It was, by, it, it was by it was by it was by a group called the uh, the Tonga Camp, which is a bunch of children were singing it. And I'll tell you something: when I heard it, it it cried. Well, let's let's go into the second part. You have written several plays, and the one I saw was Private Lives, Private Lies, which was it was stunning to me. Which which actually got me thinking about some of the challenges that that folks go through, not only a- African American people, but also uh, you know people who are who have different persuasions in their life you know gay straight whatever you want to call it so how did you come to the idea about this and what made you what 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 made you want to all of a sudden form the theater company I mean to write just to write a poem is enough but to write a whole play and to get everybody together to me is just amazing
2: <laughs> yeah let me just tell you about uh, private lives private lives first because I've done that production eight times. And the cast of 19. So that was a big deal. And we plan to do it again, of course, because, of the, you know, we had to stop because of the pandemic. Now I'm getting back into uh, producing and directing. Um, so as a therapist, Elaine, I hear stories. I hear stories in my, I'm, I'm just a listener. I see things. I hear things. And so as a woman and as a lesbian in the community, I hear stories. People are hurt constantly for being who they are. LGBTQI people are denied the freedom to express their authentic selves because of hate and rejection. And I'm about, you know me, about being authentic and real because we all have a place. We all matter. Private lives, private lives are those stories about those people, about the people uh, are living day to day that they don't talk about. They don't know how to handle them. So I try and write stories to help people and to empower them. Um, so to teach them how to how do you respond to adversity? Like a woman on her wedding day. This is a true story and I made it into a short play. On her wedding day, receiving a letter from her dad that he will not be attending her wedding. I mean, can you imagine? Because he, it was against his faith against his religion. That was heartbreaking for this couple, and I'm trying to console them during this time. It's like a knife going through your heart on something so special. So how do you handle that on your wedding day? So I made that into a short play and, and allowed this young person to express her anger and to express her feelings around that and disappointment and saying, that's not how a father should be or a parent should be. Right? And then another one was about a lesbian couple having difficulty communicating. They had, they just completely just, the communication was off, sex was off, you know, that sexual intimacy, everything was just off. And I get that a lot with couples, right? So, uh, so I offered tips to have better communication within couples. Well, right, and so there was another one with a, a gay couple, two men who were. Um, one was an alcoholic. We had an intervention on stage. Now, who couldn't, who can't, use the benefit from knowing how to talk about somebody with an addiction? Well, you
1: know, as you talk so, about as you talk about the play, and I'm looking at the next, the next, this, this release, unearthing the silent rumbling. They're all. Yeah. They're very, very. Controversial subjects, Diana. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it, they're 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 kind of uh, off the wall. Most people don't want to talk about this stuff. I mean, I, I just love the way you describe with Kia how she how she talks about the ins- you don't want to you don't want to say anything because of the insensitive you you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. But at the same time, you are a black woman, you are a lesbian. What 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 challenges do you meet? I mean, how do people respond, and how do you oh.
2: handle it? Oh, oh, I mean, this play, uh, Elaine, uh, the eight productions we've done, everybody in the audience are affected. I mean, they are affected. They are crying. They, after the show, are in a mission. They come up to me, Diana, I can relate to each one of those scenarios. Oh, definitely. Each one of those stories. That's a part of my life. And I'm sitting in the back. And... Listening in the dark, and people are crying, and people are sobbing. The intervention, the, the drug addiction, I mean, the alcoholism.
1: Well, talk about, so, you know, that, that's interesting that you said, here you are in the back. I mean, I just, I'm just i visualizing, here you write this piece of, of material. Now it's on the stage, and there you are in the back. What are some of your feelings? I mean, you must be excited. You must be crying yourself.
2: Oh, yes, I'm always crying. They see me <laughs> crying in rehearsals especially when they hit the mark, you know what I mean? It's like, these messages are so important. I want the audience to feel those messages. You're touching their hearts and souls and minds. And I'm always crying. I say, oh, you're bringing tears to my eyes. You know, in rehearsal, I'm crying. I say, that's it. That's it. That's what I want to feel. Because I'm very kinesthetic that way. If I can feel it, if I can be moved by it, I know it's going to translate to the audience. Wow. Um, and the messages are so important. Yes, I, I work with the human condition, Elaine. That's a part of the therapy. And it's really a calling. Just um, thinking about the theater company, I wasn't into that. I wasn't <laughs> thinking about all of that. I did. I do all this on my own pretty much with the help of my wife uh, mostly. But there's a lot of work, you know, because I have to direct, produce, sell ads, do the prop, prop, prop and everything else and recruit and recruit and recruit actors because I'm getting actors from the community. But I had a Facebook admirer, and she said, Diana, I'm coming, you know, she got a job here locally, and she said, Diana, I'm here to help you, but I think you should get a fiscal sponsor so that there's a lot of money out there for the work that you're doing. She really wanted to support me in it. I say I don't know, but I would say I'm gonna trust the process. She says, "Not hard. I'm gonna be right there with you." Um, And I needed some help, and I wanted to see if you know any money had come around, but no money yet. But you know, I'm just getting started. Well, you know, I love I love the name of our theater company, though. Our Lives Matter Theater Company. Isn't that wonderful? It's beautiful. It's about bringing marginalized people live to the center on stage so people can hear how we feel how they feel about their experiences in life talking about um the the, my black production coming up and then um you know like private lives private lives and then talking about depression i want to create something on women issues You know, i got all this stuff in my mind, but I need support. So I'm asking for support out there with this fiscal sponsorship. So hopefully I can get more uh, responses from that. But it's it's, it's a powerful thing.
1: We had a little bit of difficulty trying to bring this song on, but we're going to try again. We're going to take a musical break. And the song we're going to play is another one of my favorites. It's called Can Anyone Tell You? How can anyone tell you? Sung by Camp Tongawanga, which is a group of young children. And when we return, we will continue our conversation with Dr. Diana Grayer.
0: How could come- Beautiful. How could anyone ever tell you you were less than whole? How could anyone fail to notice that you? How could anyone ever tell you You were less than whole How could anyone fail to notice
2: That your loving is a
0: miracle How deeply you're connected to my soul How could anyone ever tell you you were less than whole? How could anyone fail to notice that your loving is a miracle? How deeply you're connected to my soul. How deeply you're. To my soul. I
1: find very interesting. You know, I was brought up in a Jewish uh, in a Jewish family, and yeah. I have to say, I have to say that there was a lot of racism. I mean. I can't deny it. I mean, it was it was fearful. You know, you'd be, you be more fear came up than anything else. And here we uh-huh. are, 2022. You're going to be doing this this wonderful play release, unearthing the silent rumblings, and it's going to be at Congress, Congression near Shalom, and that's a, a, a progressive Jewish uh, organization. And I mm-hmm. just I just think that is such to me that is such a symbol of how things are changing and how people are coming together and recognizing that we have to we have to look at each other as individuals and one of the things that you say here i want to read this on, on your flyer uh, and by the way, folks, just to let you know, when you go on www.womenspaces.com, this flyer will be there with all the dates and all the information that you need to be able to contact Diana and to be able to perhaps con- uh, contribute or make sure that you're able to attend. But this is what you wrote. This black, it's called Release Unearthing the Silent Rumblings, and I'm, I'm really curious of what those silent rumblings are. But this is what you write. This black production consists of four short plays, sure to steer the the hearts and minds of the audience. It is an invitation to talk about race in a safe place. Included will be a facilitated conversation and discussion after the show. So talk about that. Talk about there are four parts to it and what you hope to accomplish with the conversations.
2: Well, oh, there's a lot there. You just asked me. First of all, uh, you wanted to know about the silent rumbling. Right. Black right. people have been struggling for over, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, generation after generation. And still, like you say, in 2022, we still are dealing with so much racism and blatant racism. And so we so the silent rumblings, I mean, the rumblings are that those feelings, those expressions that are not expressed, that are squelched. Um, people are angry. Black people are angry and upset. One of the situations is the comparison that I'm going to talk about in one of my plays about the uh, insurrection, how it was handled, and the Black Lives Matter movement, how it was handled. and So those kinds of things are, are, are just heartbreaking. And so I wanted to bring that out to the people. So I have these four short plays, Elaine, and they're You know, I don't want to give too much away, but they're talking about the black experience, what black people are feeling and not speaking about. So I want to stir people up a little bit. I want them to hear the messages of how black people, especially me as a black woman, is feeling about what I'm seeing. And I want to bring that to the attention and at the the attention of the white people mostly and, and our allies, the whole Foundation of this is building allies, building allies to kind of get a sense of firsthand encounter of these. We hear it on the news, but the firsthand encounter of how do you react? How do you talk about this stuff? Well, you so know. If they can see it and feel it. I'm hoping that in the facilitation, in that I want them to be together as a community. We're going to have these tables in the back, Elaine. Where people are gonna sit around and I got some facilitated questions that they're gonna pose I'm opposed to them, and they're gonna talk amongst themselves and then you know uh, report back because everybody not can get opportunity to talk I want a whole big lecture hall i, wanna, I, thing,
1: I want I want I want to inject something here uh, a friend of ours recommended that we listen to the watch the movie Mississippi is burning. That was, mm. made, that was made, I believe, in the 1970s with Gene, uh, what was it? 80s. In 1980s. Mm. And as I watched it, I mean, it was so hard to watch. It was so hard to watch, you know, because yeah. it, was a, it was a docudrama of, of incidents that happened, especially with the three civil rights. One was a, a, a young black a man, a young Christian, and a young Jewish man. And it was actually the Jewish mother who stood up and says, you know, got the FBI down there and all kinds of different things happening. But what was so stunning to me was over and over they kept saying, oh, they want the vote, they want the vote. And I suddenly realized not only is the vote important, but what a travesty it was that they even took, gave the voting – ways that the state could organize it rather than take it away from the federal. They took it away from the federal. In other words, the federal rule said this is what you have to do, and the states were not involved. And then all of a sudden the Supreme Court decided to give it back to the states, and now they're involved, and you see all the chaos that's going on right now with the voting rights and stuff like that. Mm. People need to recognize how important this play is and have to recognize if we want to go forward We have to look at what we have done with the voting rights instead of going backwards. So I think that that's very important what you're saying about the discrimination and the anger. And the anger is righteous anger. Mm. They have a right, people have a right to be angry. It's just like the Holocaust. I'm angry about that. I'm angry about the way that the that the, Pal- the Palestinians are suffering under the people of the Holocaust. You know, all these things make us angry. It's like we're not moving forward, we're moving backwards. And that's why I believe places like this are extremely important. Mm-hmm. Would you agree yeah. with that? Uh, yeah, I do too. I,
2: that's, yeah, I want to do so much more with this place. I would like to take pieces of it, to do trainings around the county with it, or even the play itself, uh, because I think it's, it's, it's a touchstone. Just like my book, I take my book, uh, Keena's First Speech, Our Blackness Will Never Fade Into the School, and talk about um, the black experience. This little girl, I say, if they can understand and have some empathy for this little girl, sixth grader, who's... Trying to understand, Mom, why do white people hate us? I don't understand. You know, she's trying to get some clarity about it. Can you imagine being a child well, and think watching of- the George Floyd being murdered on TV uh, over and over again? Like, what is that? What's going on?
1: Well, and oftentimes I get the picture in my head of little Ruby. That little girl, you know, trying to integrate schools and all these angry people around her screaming. And, I mean, it's just, I, I, you know, I I really have to say this. I, I ask myself over and over and over again, what is it in the human psyche that brings us to hate each other so much. I mean, it, the, even the human psyche to think that we have the right to go over to another country and bomb them, or that we have the right to stop somebody from voting, or that we have the right to go and explode somebody's home, you know, and hurt them because they maybe want something that you don't think they deserve. Which, who are you to judge that? I mean, it's, 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 it's really, I think these things are important, and it's important to say that there's an mm-hmm. anger and a frustration.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elaine, we'll be, I don't know, we'll be Nobel Prize winners if we can figure that one out, but like Keena, in her book, she say, Mom, what do they want us to do? We exist here, like, right, they want us to paint our skin color, you know, white, they want us to, what do they want us to do? It. We can't fade, you know, it's like... It doesn't make sense. Like, we are who we are. And how dare the audacity for someone, like you're saying, the audacity to just bomb somebody or hate somebody because of their differences instead of embracing our diversity. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm a nice person. I'm a kind person. I judge people by the contents of their character, you know? It's like. Well, I the, can't well, judge you just because of your color, your skin—that doesn't make sense. It's not doesn't make sense logically to my young brain, you know, my young child self and my adult self, you know. So it's
1: crazy. Well, it's interesting.
2: So I just kind of do what I can
1: do, Elaine. Well, you're doing a lot. Put the issues
2: forward. Bring them forward, and let's talk about it.
1: But also, it's interesting, too, because we call ourselves a Christian nation. On our money, it says in God we trust. And at the same time, we all say we're in all created in God's image. And, and then there's still all this convolution. I mean, we need to educate ourselves. We need to understand not only the messages that we're getting from outside ourselves, but the messages that are going, you know, within. Well, we're coming to the end of our segment very quickly and I, I want to have some final words from you. Anything I mean this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation, Diana, and I really, I really appreciate what you're doing. And I hope I hope that you have a large, large <laughs> turnout for this play, because we need to we need to not be afraid. You know, we need to not be afraid of each other. Mm. And, and you know, familiarity, when you know somebody, when you sit down, you talk to them, you have a cup of coffee with them, you live across the street from them, you live in the same neighborhood, things change. You begin to realize mm. we're just, you know, and I for myself, you know, I believe that as women... We must stand up for the future of our children, you know. And you know, it's it's really interesting. I'm watching a thing called uh, a play called I can't remember it. It's on uh, it's on Netflix right now, and uh, there it's it's about you know royalty and all that other stuff. But what they did was is they what, what what how do you how do you pronounce that Brighton says how do we pronounce that play that we're listening to Ken. Bright and Tin, it's, a, it's a, a a series, and in it is they have an integrated marriage, and they have a child together, and the child is just adorable, and you know, when you look at the child, you see yourself, that's just a baby, what difference mm-hmm. is it? You know, it's just a baby. You know, and and even in Mississippi Burning, there was this one scene where the there's an African American woman with her child and the white woman with her child. It looks like the white woman cannot have children, so she's embracing this this little uh, black child. And here's this preciousness between the two of them. It's a, a woman, a mother, lighting up her eyes. It doesn't matter. It's just a child. So it's very it's very very interesting. Well, that's enough of my ranting. So final yeah. words and information. On on the play where we can see it, the dates, and all the other good stuff.
2: Okay. Thank you, Elaine. Um, final words, allies. Step up, allies. Step up. Um, if you want to support the play, please come out. Um, if you want to support me, uh, I need volunteers, and we have some apps, but you can contact me for that. Uh, this week, this weekend, the 2nd and the 3rd and the ninth and the 10th, the following weekend, after this, uh, we will be airing at 7 p.m. and at 3 p.m. on Sundays for the matinee and 7 on Saturdays. So we have incredible four short plays. Um, so it's going to be at Nourshenol. You can go to... O L M T C O dot O R G and get your tickets and check out our website. We have a new website for our um, nonprofit. Um, so, anyways, I hope you show up. Be there. Um, it's going to be something that you don't want to miss. It's going to be a good conversation. Um, beautiful, beautiful uh, stories for you to relate to. So. Tell us Come one. Come on out and support. Thank you. Tell us
1: one more time. Give us that O L.
2: O. Our lives, Matter Theater Company, but it's O L M T C O. Dot O R G.
1: And that's where they can get the tickets. And what? Where, how can they get a hold of you if they have any questions or anything that they'd like to know?
2: Uh, they can. Uh, they can call me seven zero seven. 364
1: Well, Diana Grayer, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for just such a wonderful, wonderful open interview. And I want to thank you for the work you're doing. And thank you for educating me and for educating our community and for speaking out and standing up for what you know to be true, what we all know to be true, you know. Mm. So thank you so thank much. Thank
2: you, Elaine. It's been a pleasure, always a pleasure. You're
1: wonderful. I got to tell you something funny before you hang up. I've been nominated to be (laughs) the Poet Laureate in Sonoma County. I don't think I'm going to make it, but... I just think it's kind of interesting. In <laughs> fact, what I'm going to do because of this wonderful interview, I want to send you my poetry book because I'm always I'm always reading your stuff. Maybe it's time for you to read mine a little bit, too. So thank you so okay. much. Okay. Thank you for being the most wonderful guest in the whole world, Diana. Thank you so oh, much. Oh,
2: you're sweet. Thank you for your support, Elaine. I really appreciate it. Oh.
1: Thank you for being an ally. Woo! An ally. A. Or a, pr- a the first letter in ally is A because I appreciate you and I appreciate all that you are accomplishing. You take care, Thank Diana. You.
2: Thank you. You take care. Bye
1: bye. Wow! Oh my goodness! What a great interview! I mean, I am in love with Diana Grayer. I just think you know, reading her children's book you know, just some of the things. It's just amazing. Anyway, thank you, Diana Grayer, playwright, uh, marriage and family and counselor, and also a wonderful, wonderful human being. This is Elaine Holtz, who's been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you for listening. I look forward to being with you the next time. She knows
0: everything you do because the woman is The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, March 28, 2022.